Happy Resurrection Day. What a, what a wonderful time of worship. Was that not wonderful to sing together? What a wonderful time to gather. I mean, this is what, this is what Christianity is all about. It's about the resurrected Savior. It's that wonderful reality that the truth that has transformed our life is that Christ didn't just die for our sins, but he defeated death and the grave. And he rose on the third day. And this is why we gather. We celebrate the resurrection every single Sunday. Every single Sunday that we gather, we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not just this Sunday, but it's next Sunday. Next Sunday, are you coming back to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ with us? We celebrate it every single day of our life, that we are brand new, brand new creations, brand new in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. Amen? So I'm excited to be back in the pulpit. Uh, This has been four weeks since I've preached here at Living Word Church. So it's 1017. Buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to preach whatever I normally preach. I'll preach till I'll preach I'm done. How's that sound? I'll preach till I'm done. But it is good to be back. It's good to be back to share God's word with the family of God that God has called us to. And it is, it is a high honor. I, I, I could have just wept there uh, on the front row just hearing all of your voices sing aloud together <laughs> to our resurrected Savior. It's such a powerful uh, uh, experience that we have a privilege of having as the body of Christ to gather together and sing. And, and now we're going to take this moment and this time to open up God's word. You know, God has spoken to us most clearly through his word. It is the foundation of our life. And so now we get the privilege to listen together to God's word. So before we jump in, I titled the message this morning, Turning the Page and Finding Real Hope. Turning the page and finding real hope. So before we jump into this message, would you pray with me? Father, we we come before you this morning and we thank you for the privilege of gathering together and worshiping Christ. And Lord, I, I thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ that have been transformed by your gospel and are here. They're hungry for your word. They're hungry to hear from you, not from me. They're hungry to hear from you and what you have to say. And Lord, I pray, God, that hearts would be opened today to be able to receive what it is that you would speak to their lives. I pray, Lord, that you would soften our hearts to receive, have willing, receptive hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would help me to open my mouth, to preach your word, and to exalt Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is it? that dominates your life? What is it that dominates your thoughts? What is it that dominates your vision? You know, what dominates your thoughts, what dominates your life is what is going to be the vision of your life. It's what you're going to think about the most. It's what's going to be ever in front of you. It's the ever-present reality of your life. What is it that dominates your thinking, that dominates your life and therefore dominates your decisions. What are you dominated by? Are you dominated and controlled by Christ in your thoughts? Are you dominated and controlled by his word, by a revelation of who he is? Or are you dominated by fear? Are you dominated by worry? Are, are, are you dominated with concern for the future? Are you dominated with offense and, and anger and bitterness? Are you dominated by sin? 
What is it that dominates your life? I believe all of us here today, wherever we are, whatever our background is, whatever our spiritual foundation is, we are dominated by something or someone. We will be dominated. We will be ruled and controlled in our mind and in our thinking and in our life by someone or something. And I don't know about you, but living in America for the last year and a half, It has been easy to be dominated by things other than Christ. It has been easy to look at the world all around us and to be tempted to allow the circumstances we see to dominate our life. Isn't that what happens so often in our life? We look at the circumstances all around us, and if we're not careful, we can allow those circumstances to dominate us, to control us, to rule us, to rule our thoughts, to rule our decisions. My prayer is today that we would not be dominated by anything else. Nothing else in this life would control our thoughts and our actions but Jesus Christ and his spirit that lives on the inside of us. So I want to talk to you today about how can we not be dominated by what we see? How can we not be dominated by the world in which we look all around us and we see chaos and disorder, we see hurt and we see pain, we see sin on display all around us? How can we live a life that is not dominated by, by, by what we see? The reality of the Christian faith is that because of the power of the resurrection of Christ, we don't have to be dominated by anything else. We don't have to be ruled and controlled by anything else except for Christ. Do you believe that today? But how is it that we live that continually in our life? How do we live that reality? And my belief is this, is that your vision of God is the most important vision that you can have. How you see God, what you know about him, the foundation of that vision is the most important reality in your life that will directly influence what dominates you. If you see God incorrectly, you will be dominated by other things. If you see God in a way that scripture has not revealed him, You will be dominated by other things. You must have the right vision of God. The prophet Isaiah was a prophet that was raised up by God to speak to the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom. This is when when the prophet Isaiah was raised up, Israel was a divided kingdom to, to the north and to the south. And Isaiah primarily was a prophet to the southern kingdom, to Judah. The prophet Isaiah, when he looked around and he saw a vision in front of him, It was not a pretty vision. Very similar to what we look around today. We look all around us and we see debauchery. We see sin. We see people that are rebelling against God. We see a public health crisis. We see government in disarray. We see all these things that cause us stress and anxiety. And and that is the vision that we see in front of us all around us. And that's what Isaiah saw. He looked all around at his nation of people. And he thought, who are these people? What have they done? How have they rebelled against God? How have they pushed back against God? I don't even recognize them. Look at, look at just a, a short survey. This is starting in Isaiah chapter 1. Listen to what it says about Judah, about Israel. It says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children I have reared and brought up. God is saying this about Judah, about Israel. Children I have reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. 
That's just chapter one. Look at continuing in chapter one. The nation's full of injustice. The people of God have forsaken righteousness. Listen, how the faithful city has become a whore. She is, she who was full of justice, righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross. Your best wine mixed with water. You are diluted. You are watered down. You are not pure. That's what it's saying here. Your princes are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe. Everyone runs after gifts. They do not bring justice to the fatherless. And the widow's cause does not come to them. Look at chapter 2. Their land is filled with idols. They bow down to the work of their own hands. Is that not what we see all around us today? Humanity bowing down to the work of their own hands. Bowing down to their own ingenuity, their own, uh, uh, their own view of, of themselves. They think they're so smart and they, and, and, and they believe that they're the source of all the good in their life. They bow down to idols made with their own hands. They bow down to the work of their own hands, to what their own fingers have made. And then now, look, now, not, not, not only is Israel, Judah, worshiping false idols, not only do we in our country, and we see it all around the world, we worshiping idols of our own making, but now Judah has become brazen and bold in their sinful rebellion. Look at chapter 3. For Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen because their speech and their deeds are against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. For they look on for the look on their faces bears witness against them. They proclaim their sin like Sodom. What does that mean? It means they're loud about their sin. It means they're bold about their sin. This is the vision that Isaiah is seeing. This is the nation that is all around him. What is it that's going to dominate Isaiah? What is it, what is it that he's going to allow to dominate his life? And now, morality is completely turned upside down. And the leaders who were called to lead Israel, they have forsaken their responsibility. And look at Isaiah 5. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Do you see it? Morality is turned upside down. Good is evil and evil is good. Bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. That's the responsibility of the leaders of the nation is that we would call what is right, right, and what is good, good, what is true, true. That we would call what is evil, evil, and sin, sin. But the nation of Israel, they had rebelled against God. The leaders had rebelled against God. And as a result, when leaders rebel against God, when leaders don't hold truth high, when they don't stand for biblical morality, the nation follows after. This is the vision that Isaiah is seeing. Now look. God's called him to that nation as a prophet. Just like you and I, we're called to our neighborhoods, we're called to our neighbors, we're called to our city, we're called to our country, we're called to go all around the world wherever God would call us. We're called to go just like Isaiah is called to go. But what is it in our life that is going to dominate us? Is it the circumstances that we see or is it our view of God? This is what we're getting at. This is where we're headed. So what needed to happen in Isaiah's life before he could go? He had to see God correctly. And this is what we're going to look at this morning. Isaiah 6, the vision that Isaiah had. This is the text we're going to look at here today. Look at Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, 
Isaiah says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. And with two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. For I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken from the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard a voice of the Lord heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. What vision do we need to see? We need to see God correctly. I'm convinced that in the church and in the world, far too often, we don't see God correctly. We don't recognize him for who he is. We have a wrong view of God. We have turned God upside down and created a God of our own liking. We need to see God correctly. And when we see God correctly, then there is nothing in this life that can dominate our thoughts, that can control us, that can lead us into fear and worry, that can control us and lead us in a direction that God has not called us to if we will see God correctly. So what was the first thing? Three realities that God revealed to Isaiah. What was the first one? First one is this, is that the Lord reigns above it all. Do you know that? The Lord reigns above it all. What did the text say? Look back at the text. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, what? Sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. The Lord reigns above it all. He reigns above everything. He is ruling. He is reigning. He is in control. He is sovereignly in control of every reality of our existence. We have to see that. We have to rest in that reality. We have to know it at the core of our being. And before Isaiah could go into the world, could go into that nation and declare repentance and declare the word of the Lord, he had to see God correctly. Because if he was not careful, he was going to look at the sin. He was going to look at the rebellion. He was going to look at all the debauchery. He was going to look at morality turned upside down. And his heart was going to become overwhelmed whenever he saw the Lord. High and lifted up. It changed his understanding. We need that same change. You know, God, God, when he revealed himself to Isaiah, you know, Isaiah didn't see God over in the corner wringing his hands, just looking around thinking, oh man, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's, I, I, I don't know what to do next. He saw, he saw the Lord seated, seating on a throne, seated Seated on a throne. That means that that he is completely in charge. That means that he is ruling and reigning. It's almost like it's almost like the Lord, it's almost like the Lord is saying this to Isaiah. Okay, Isaiah, first things first. First things first. I know it looks bad. I know when you look around at this world, I know it looks bad. But I'm in charge here. First things first, Isaiah. I know that you could be discouraged at this nation. I know you could be discouraged at what you see, 
But first things first, I am in charge here. It's time, my brothers and sisters, to turn the page from the manufactured realities that have been pressed upon us. It's time to turn the page and to realize that our God is in control. Our God is the one that is ruling and reigning. It's time to have a vision realignment. Do you ever get headaches? Do you ever get headaches? Because your prescription is old? You wear glasses and you get headaches? It happens to me a lot. I say, I say a lot every year or so. <laughs> and I go back to Dr. Bud, who's my eye doctor, and he, he, he lines me up here and he gets my prescription right. But that's what I think when I think about what I see all around me. It gives me lots of headaches. It causes me lots of stress. And I see, and if I'm not a lot, if I don't get a vision realignment, if I don't get an update on my prescription to see God correctly, I'm going to be living with a lot of headaches. I'll be living with a, a lot of pain in my life because of what I see all around me. I have to have a vision realignment. And I'm telling you, we need it more than once a year. Every single day, we got to wake up. We have to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my God, our God, the risen, resurrected Savior is seated at the right hand of the Father and is in control and is ruling and is reigning. So if you're here today and you've been getting lots of headaches, throw away your old prescription. Throw it away. Go to the eye doctor. You know who the eye doctor is? It's the Word of God. Go to the eye doctor. Open your Bible. Read Daniel 4.17. Listen to this. This is Daniel interpreting the dreams of the king. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers. The decision by the word of the holy ones. To the end that the living may know. That the most high rules the kingdom of men. And gives it to whom he will. And sets over it the lowliest of men. Any living here today? I love that. I love how that's phrased. That the living may know. Because the dead don't need to know anymore, right? The living need to know. What do we need to know? That our God rules in the kingdoms of men. He rules the affairs of the kingdom of men. It's not Pennsylvania Avenue. It's not the United Nations. It's not the CDC. Amen? Our God rules and reigns. What vision has been dominating your life? Have you forgotten who's in charge? Have we forgotten who's in charge? Have we forgotten where our trust belongs? I believe to the depth of my being that 2020 sucked the hope out of so many of us here today. Sucked the hope out of our kids So many kids struggling with depression and anxiety. So many families struggling because of the difficulties of 2020. And it's just like this emotional experience that we've all walked through. And I'm here today to declare to all of us that it's time to turn the page. It's time to turn the page. Turn the page in your heart. Get a new set of glasses. See the Lord correctly. As far as I know, the world's not ending yet. As far as I know, we're not going to know when that's going to happen. 
like a thief in the night, the Lord's going to come. But until he comes, let's get busy. Let's keep going and doing what God has called us to do. The Lord is in charge. I, 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 wrote, I wrote an article for The Courier. I want to read a couple of things that I wrote from it. It says this, it's, it's time to turn the page in our earthly story of life lived in a broken world. We, we need to turn the page from looking for hope in all the wrong places. We need to turn the page from looking to replace our fears of the future with temporary promises that come from men who don't keep their promises. It's time to turn the page this Easter season and find the only hope that will never end. Hope that will never end has a name, and his name is Jesus. He is the resurrected Savior. He is the King of the universe that offers to everyone who will listen a hope and a peace that is not rooted in temporary earthly experiences. It's time to turn the page this Easter season and be filled with a hope that this pandemic can't take away. Will you wake up to hope today? Will you wake up to hope today? Will you stop allowing the never-ending talking heads to rob you? of the true hope that is only found in Christ. Will you wake up today to true hope? Isaiah need a, needed a vision realignment. And so do we today. Look at Psalm 97. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness and all the peoples see his glory. All worshipers of images are put to shame who make their boasts in worthless idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and is glad and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are what? Most high. What did Isaiah see? The Lord was high and lifted up. You, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all so-called gods. May nothing or no one rob us from this foundational reality in our life. The Lord reigns above it all. Amen? What was the next thing Isaiah needed to see? He needed to see that God was in control. He needed to see that this reality of the nation all around him was not the greatest reality. That's so important. We need to know and to understand that the realities that we see all around us, that diagnosis that you may have gotten, that, that reality of the job that you lost, that reality of your family situation is not the greater reality. It's not the greatest reality. The greatest reality is that the Lord reigns above it all. But Isaiah, but Isaiah had to see something else. He needed to see something else. What, what did he see next? Look back at the text in Isaiah 6. And one called to another and said, these, these are the seraphim, these are, these are the angels. And they said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. What's the next thing that Isaiah saw and that we need to see? God is holy and humanity is lost and unclean. We need to see that. We must understand that. That God reigns above it all, but God is holy. God is holy. 
this reality of who God is is so important for us to know today. It was so important for Isaiah to see today because it answers the questions. Why had Israel strayed? Why did they stray? Because they forgot that God is holy. They strayed because they forgot who God was. They forgot who God was. The vision of God and his holiness had been drowned out by a vision of the world around them. It had been replaced with the pagan idolatry of their day. This is why they rebelled against their God. They forgot that God is holy, that God is pure, and that he desires holiness from his people. And as a result of forgetting God's holiness, they were influenced by the world all around them, and they were led into idolatry and paganism. The idolatrous ways of the nations around them had pressed upon them and then ultimately into them. Hear that. Listen, listen, listen. This is how it happens. It's pressed around us and then it's pressed into us. That's how it happens. What are the things all around your life? What are you allowing in your life? Whatever you allow around you is going to come in you. If you're allowing unholy things around your life, if you're allowing unholy relationships around your life, involved in your life, in your family, through the TV screen, through your cell phone, unholiness and paganism and idolatry, if if it's around you, it will come in you. And it will take root in your heart. And next thing you know, you forget who God is. You forget his holiness. His holiness. You remember Exodus 19? God tells Moses, I want to speak to my people. He says, I want to speak to them. Now he says, look, they're not ready yet to hear from me. Because if I talk to them, they're going to die. What, but, but we chuckle at that a little bit, but, but what's the, why is that true? Why is it true that they would die if God talked to them? Because God is perfectly holy and men are sinful. And sin and the holiness of God cannot come together unless some, something changes. Something has to change. So God tells Moses, Moses, prepare them. They have to consecrate themselves. They have to wash themselves. They have to be cleansed. And you've got to put a boundary all around the mountain. Moses, I'm coming to talk. I'm going to come to the top of Mount Sinai. I'm going to talk to my people. Prepare them. Place a boundary and tell them that if they cross that boundary and they're not prepared, they're going to die. Don't even let the animals cross the boundary. So God comes, God, Moses makes the, makes the preparation for the people, and the people all come and they, and they gather, they're, they're, outside, they're outside of the boundary. You can read this in Exodus 19. And God comes down, just like we read in Isaiah 6. The thunder and the lightning, the mountain shook, smoke came up all around the mountain. And the people were like, okay, we're done. We're done. Moses, we don't want to talk to God. You talk to God, and you tell us what he says. What had happened to Israel? That's Exodus 19. What had happened to them? They had forgotten the mountain that shook. They had forgotten the smoke all around the mountain. They had forgotten the holiness of God. And when you forget that God is holy, that God is pure, and that because he is holy, he has called us as his people to be holy as well. When we forget the holiness of God and we allow the world around us to press around us and then into us, this is what happened to the nation of Israel. This is what God is pressing into Isaiah, and I want him to press it into my heart. And into your hearts, we, may, we must never forget that God is holy. I believe that there is a lack of the fear of the Lord 
in many people's lives. So if some people say, well, we're not called to be afraid of God, says who? Our own idea? Look, Exodus 19, they didn't walk away because, because they, were, they greatly reverenced God. They walked away because they were fearful for their life. God told Moses, set a boundary, and if they cross it, they're going to die. I believe today in the church, absolutely in the world, we lack the fear of the Lord. God is holy. God is pure. God is perfectly righteous. Look what Proverbs 9.10 says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want to be wise today? Fear the Lord. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. I love Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3. It really sets the stage for those who have rebelled against God. It shows the pattern of those who rebel against God. And it culminates in this statement in Romans three eighteen. This is why people rebel against God. Because there is no fear of God before their eyes. Why do people rebel against God and go their own way? Because there's no fear of God before their eyes. They think, God's just up there doing his thing. I'm down here doing my thing. There's no consequences for my actions. It's kind of like this. If our president, President Biden, walked in the room right now. I'm just going to let that sit for a second. Let you dwell in your thoughts. But if our president walked in the room, my prayer is, is that every single one of you would stand to honor him. Why? Not because of the man, because of the office. Because he's the president of the United States. He's my, he's, he's my president. That, I, that, that term, this is not my president, y'all need to get rid of that. You may not vote it for him, but he's your president. And he's my president. Scripture says we are to pray for him. Amen. Now, 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 now listen. Why would we reverence him? Why would we reverence that position? Not, not him. Why would we do that? Why would we honor him? Why would we stand up? Because of the office of, of the presidency of the United States. That's why we, we, we would do that. We respect that office. We honor that office. Even though we may not agree with the policies of the man, we respect and honor the office. The honor and respect that is due the office of the presidency pales in comparison to the honor and the reverence that is due to the holy king of the universe. It doesn't even pale in comparison. And if the Lord himself walked in the room today, we wouldn't stand. We would be out. We'd be, we'd be done. Undone. Our God is holy. The prophet Isaiah saw the perfection of God. He saw him in his authority and in his power. He saw God in his perfect holiness. And what did Isaiah immediately recognize? This is why we must see the holiness of God. 
You want to know why the world is doing what it's doing? You want to have a perspective as why that's going on? Because if you want to have the right perspective, you have to see the holiness of God first because it, it begins to show you the reality of the world around us. What did Isaiah see right away? What did he recognize after he saw that God's holy? Oh, woe is me. He didn't look out and say, woe is them first. He didn't say that first. Because that, that would be easy to do, wouldn't it be? Look at all those terrible people out there that don't know the Lord and are not serving God. Oh, they need to be in church on Easter Sunday. No, what did Isaiah do first? He put his hands on his chest. And he said, woe is me. For I am undone. Look, look, look what it says there in Isaiah 6. I, and I said, woe is me. Well, you know what that word woe means? It is the depth of, it's the depth of, of repentance to the deepest part of your heart. You are, you, you are recognizing your depravity and you are repenting. You're saying, woe, curse upon me. Curse upon me is what it means. Curse upon me. Why? For I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes, why does he see that? How does he know that? For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, holy and set apart. And then he saw that he was lost and unclean. Humanity was lost and unclean. He saw it. He knew it right away. He recognized it. Seeing the God correctly, seeing him in his power and his authority, and seeing him in his holiness, it helps us to understand the world. We know why the world is the way it is. Because they don't recognize God in his authority, and they don't recognize God in his holiness. It helps shape the world for us. Isaiah saw the holiness of God and then he immediately recognized that there was a problem. So what's the problem? The problem is that all mankind is sinful and separated from a holy God and God is the righteous judge. And if all mankind is sinful and separated from a holy God and God is the righteous judge, then that's a problem. Would you agree today? If God is holy, if God is the righteous judge and we are all sinfully separated from him, then there's a problem. That's what Romans 3 says. None is righteous. No, not one. You may have come in here today and you think, well, Pastor Ben, I'm pretty good. I wore a nice suit today. I got a tie on. I got a roast in the oven. We're going to have another Easter egg hunt after, after I've had 15 of them during the week. I'm a good dad. I'm a good husband. I'm a good wife. I'm a good mother. I'm pretty good. I haven't, I haven't cheated on my taxes in a couple of years. Right, I, I, I'm, I'm doing really good. What does the Bible say to all of us who think we're pretty good? The Bible says none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks after God. And you would say, well, that can't be true. Look at all the people seeking after God. They're seeking after him in many different ways. But that saying there is that no one seeks after God in and of themselves, of their own accord. That nobody can pick themselves up out of the dust on their own and say, I'm going to be good enough and I'm going to earn God's favor. No one can do it on their own. Why? Because all are sinful and all are unrighteous. All have turned aside. Together they've become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. 
In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Every one of us here today must come to the same realization that Isaiah did. And scripture tells us further in Romans 3 that we cannot atone for our sins through good works. Look at the next verse, verse 20. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. You came in here today and you came in here thinking that I'm going to be a CEO Christian. I'm going to come on Christmas and Easter only. And I'm going to be good. You see, we got some CEOs here. I, 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 I don't know how many CEOs we got. I'm not, there's no, no shame, no judging. But, but if you came and you think that being a CEO Christian, and you're going to check the box off, come to church, been baptized, got all the things in order that I'm, you know, I'm trying good, I'm trying hard. It's not about trying. It's not about doing. It's about receiving the free gift that was already done for you. Look, 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 for by works of the law, no human being is justified in God's sight. It means there's nothing you can do. So if you're here today and you've been trying to climb the, wor- the ladder of good works to get up to God, you've been trying and, and you get up a little bit and then, and then and you feel like you're doing good and then you have a weak day, a bad day, and a rung on the ladder falls from under your feet and you come all the way back down and then you're like, oh, why did I do that? And so you get up to this exhausting exercise of climbing up the ladder of good works. I'm here to tell you, throw away your ladder. Embrace the cross. Throw away your ladder and embrace the cross. Embrace the only bridge from earth to heaven, which is the cross of Jesus Christ. Embrace the cross of Christ who took your place and paid the penalty of your sins. A penalty had to be paid. The penalty for my sin and for your sin. The wrath of God was due all of us because of our rebellion against God. This is the beauty of the songs we sung, was that what we're singing about when we're singing about the cross is that when Christ died on the cross, the cup of wrath from God was poured out on the innocent, spotless, sinless Son of God. And when he did that, it was a a sacrifice of substitution. He took your place and yours and yours and mine and yours and yours and yours. He took your place the beatings, the lashings, the spitting, the ripping of the beard, the crown of thorns, the mocking, all of it. He took it for you so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be cleansed. If you're here today and you have not confessed Christ as your Savior, I implore you, I plead with you today that you would confess Christ. The Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you would believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth that, 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 that God raised Jesus from the dead, that you would be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the wrath of God. Saved from eternal judgment. If that's you today, I implore you, I beg you today, be reconciled to God today. We can talk to you today. We can talk to you. We, we, we can meet you today. If you want to confess Christ today, when I'm, when, when I'm done with this and I, and I close in prayer, you come down and you talk to me. Or you can go to guest services there, that welcome desk. Someone will be there to talk to you today and, and help you through that, 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 that confession that you would confess Christ. Don't leave today if you're not a Christian.
without confessing Christ today as your Lord and Savior. Look again at Isaiah 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken from the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. This is the power of the resurrection. Isaiah saw the authority of God, the power of God, the sovereignty of God. He saw the holiness of God and then he saw his sinfulness and the sinfulness of his people. And what is the answer? The answer is the gospel. The answer is that atonement and your guilt being wiped away cannot come from you. It can't come from within. It must come from God. God must atone for your guilt. God must pay for your guilt. He paid for your sin so that you can be forgiven and cleansed. This is what we're celebrating today. That the guilty can be forgiven. That the unclean can be cleansed. That the lost can be found, and that the hopeless can have hope today. Amen? Amen. Will you turn the page to real hope today? Will you turn the page today? What was the last necessary reality that Isaiah needed to see? Let's look back at the text in Isaiah 6. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. Isaiah had to see God in his authority and power. He had to see God in his holiness. But now, listen, now he was prepared to see that the mission was great. That's the third thing he had to see. He had to see that the mission is great. The mission is big. There's a lot of work to be done. He had to see that, but he wasn't prepared until he had the right vision of God. This is where I want us to end today. As believers in Jesus Christ, we gotta wake up to hope. We gotta wake up to the realities that are right in front of us. We got to see God in his authority and in his power and in control and that he hasn't, he hasn't lost a hold of the ship we got to see him in his holiness. We have to stay pure and undefiled from the world. And we must continually embrace the mission that God has called us to. Isaiah was ready. Are you ready today? I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Whom? Are you a whom today? I pray that I'm a whom I've heard some stories lately of some whoms in the room who have just been witnessing to people, sharing the hope of the gospel that they have. Whom shall I send? Who will go? Who will go? The mission is great. The Lord is saying to Isaiah, you're prepared now. You've seen me in my authority and power. You know that I rule the kingdoms of men. I reign above it all. You understand now my holiness and the lostness and uncleanness of man. Now, will you go? Will you go? Will you take this message to your people? Will you call them back to me? Isaiah couldn't turn the page from the vision of the desolations and the debauchery all around him until he had a vision of the Lord. He had to have a perspective change. 
Are we ready to turn the page today and embrace our mission again? That's my, that's my plea. I'm ready. Are you ready? Not that we haven't been about our mission, but I just have felt this pressed on my heart. It's time. And I'll be honest with you. I don't care what goes on all around this world. It's not going to stop us. I care about it. That's a bad choice of words. I don't like to say that. I do care. I do care, right? That's a bad choice of words. I do care. But I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Come hell, hell or high water, whatever that means. <laughs> like, we're the church. God's in control. God is holy. Man is lost. And we have the answer. Amen? You see the empty seats here? Look all around you. Look at the empty seats. There's people in your life and in my life that can be sitting right there next week and the week after that and the week after that and the week after that. And they'll hear a message that God is holy and that they are sinful, but that Jesus is the answer. Right? Will you go? The world hasn't stopped spinning yet. Life is not over. Our fears and our uncertainty has kept us paralyzed for too long. It's Resurrection Sunday. Amen? May we wake up to hope today. May we wake up to our mission and our call. That's a fire burning in my heart. May we wake up to our mission and our call. I mean, it, it, I mean if we believe it, right? If you don't believe it, you're not going to do anything about it, right? If you don't believe that Jesus really lived and he really died and he really took my place and he's really coming back again one day, then this is not for you. But if you really believe that Jesus lived and he really died for you and took your place and atoned for your sins and you're forgiven and that he's really coming back again one day, that means you're a Christian. And that means this is for you. Amen? Listen to our Lord and hear his compassion and his call. Matthew 9. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Amen. What I want to do today, I want to end. I want to end singing again. I just love singing with you guys, but I, I want us to allow the Lord to press these things on our heart. Okay, think about what, what we just heard today from Isaiah six: a vision of the Lord high and lifted up, sovereignly in control and holy and set apart and calling us to join him in his mission. Think about those realities. 
And let's end singing the overarching reality of what we're talking about today, that the Lord reigns above it all. We'll sing for a little bit, then I'll come up and close us out in prayer. The rain.